Hello and welcome to Locked On St. Louis Cardinals, your regular podcast with the expertise you need here locally to cover the Cardinals on a daily basis and make sure that you have uh, the best understanding possible of what's going on at the ballpark whenever, uh, whenever, whenever you feel that urge. My name is Jeff Jones. I'll be your host for this afternoon's podcast. And uh, it's an interesting time, I think, to talk Cardinals baseball, especially coming off one of the more bizarre losses of the season. The Cardinals last night falling 6-5 to the Philadelphia Phillies in 10 innings after a game uh, with a lot of twists and turns. A a game that, frankly, no one, I think, could fairly say the Cardinals really were in the thick of winning or a game that it felt like they had a real chance of winning. And yet lo and behold, uh, that disappointment boils over when you have the unusual circumstances that you saw at the end of the game last night. If you missed the game yesterday, I think that the above the, uh, above the fold headline, on yesterday's Cardinals game has to be the Cardinals struck out 19 times in a 10-inning loss to the Phillies. Uh, Phillies pitching combining for 19 strikeouts, 13 for Nick Pavetta, 2 for Ramos, 3 for Arano, and then 1 for Thompson in the 10th. And and so uh, with those numbers, hard to imagine a game where the Cardinals are going to be able to succeed. You had 2 strikeouts from Carpenter, 3 from Tommy Pham. Jose Martinez struck out only once but was 0 for 5. Ozuna 0 for 5 with 3 strikeouts, 3 from Jed Jerko, 3 from Harrison Bader, and 2 from Jairo Munoz. However, the Cardinals did manage to tie the game in the ninth inning on a strikeout by Colton Wong, uh, or excuse me, a strikeout by Munoz, I apologize, a strikeout by Munoz, uh, that resulted in a wild pitch that allowed a run to score and kept the game active for then Wong to step up and, and knock in the tying run on an RBI single in the ninth inning. Then we saw Matt Bowman come in to pitch for the Cardinals in the bottom of the 10th and uh, promptly surrender a couple of hits after it looked like he was struggling with his control in in, in his third appearance back from the disabled list. Uh, in the immediate aftermath of, of, of yesterday's game, I think the criticism was placed in three main areas. One, uh, the strikeouts, as I mentioned before, and I don't know that I really have a solid defense of a game in which the team strikes out 19 times. This is, again, uh, the Cardinals' offense. It has consistently been this kind of concern. Uh, The Cardinals did not receive a hit that was not a home run until Greg Garcia had a base hit uh, in in, in the eighth inning of last night's game. Otherwise, they just had solo home runs from Matt Carpenter as well, uh, from, from, from Matt Carpenter as well as... Uh, Yadier Molina in the third and seventh of last night's game. Otherwise, no hitting, lots of strikeouts, and the Cardinals' offense continues to struggle. And again, I yeah, I maintain that at some point, uh, if a change needs to be made, the hitting staff is where you likely see that change. If if for no other reason than to bring a jolt of energy back through the Cardinals, I I know that the clamoring to fire John Mabry gets louder and louder every time the offense struggles like this. But I I do think it needs to be balanced with the reality that maybe some of these players just aren't as good as as it was assumed that they would be. Right, Harrison Bader is a developing player. You've had we've talked about these career terrible stretches from Long and Fowler. Uh, you have Jairo Munoz playing shorts up instead of Paul. To young and so at some point yes obviously the approach needs to be examined uh, but at some point also major league quality hitters are going to have to deliver and last night you did not see that delivery from 
the St. Louis Cardinals. The second place where I think there was a lot of criticism in last night's game uh, was on Marcelo Zuna. Ultimately, the game-deciding runs came on a sinking line drive to left field with two outs in the 10th uh, that Marcelo Zuna made a sort of awkward diving stab at. He comes, if he comes up with a catch, the game is over. Cardinals tried off the field with an improbable victory. Instead, the ball not only hits the ground, but gets behind Ozuna, rolls all the way to the roll, all, all the way to the wall, and it allows the winning run to score from first base. It was an awkward play, and you understand uh, from Ozuna's perspective why he would take the shot to do what he could to end the game right there. Again, Ozuna catches the ball and the game is over, uh, so it's hard to be overly critical of the instinct, which says you have an opportunity to make a play to win your team a ball game. Go ahead and try to make that play. However, I, I do think that understanding the situation and with the runner on first base, it is vital to make sure the ball stays in front. And so, yeah, it's probably a mistake for Ozuna to take that aggressive of a line. But ultimately, I don't know that there was a lot of faith, especially with the bullpen as it was constituted and used last night, that the Cardinals were going to be able to hang on regardless. And so uh, Ozuna's aggression to me is a forgivable sin. The third place where a lot of criticism was heaped last night is the most common place probably, and that's on Mike Matheny for a number of reasons including his use of the bullpen both last night and in prior games to set up last night and in the choice to walk Carlos Santana intentionally to put the go-ahead run on first base, the winning run, I should say, on first base in the bottom of the 10th. That decision, I think, is probably flawed uh, in that anytime you make the choice to put the game-winning run on base, you are leaning very heavily on your pitcher. In this circumstance, it did set up uh, a potential double play opportunity, which is relevant because with Matt Bowman on the mound, I, I think that Matheny continues to have uh, too strong of a belief and too strong a trust that Bowman will be able to induce double plays, uh, if at all, if the circumstance ever arises. Now, I don't know that Bowman is that automatic double play guy, and, and certainly the numbers don't bear out that he has a ground ball rate that's substantially, or a double play rate rather, that's substantially higher than the league average. The other concern is, again, in watching Bowman last night, it was clear and he was having trouble keeping his pitches down in the zone. He was missing high with a lot of his stuff. And if you're Matt Bowman and your velocity is not very strong, uh, missing high in the zone is not a great place to be. On a, a sweltering night in Philadelphia where you're looking at a lot of sweat and a lot of heat, and you're looking at a pitcher who just came back from blisters, probably notable that Bowman was paying a lot of attention to his fingertips. This was mentioned on the broadcast last night by uh, my Dan McLaughlin and Tim McCarver last night, but Bowman paying a lot of attention to his fingertips and gripping the baseball and the moisture that was building up there. That would have to be a concern. Uh, but ultimately, I think finding yourself in a place where you need to use Bowman is is one of the is one of the struggles here. I will say, uh, I think that when you look at the way that the bullpen has sort of been used over the last week, that's a spot where you're just going to have to lean on a guy to get an out. And so I do think in, in talking about the way that Matt Bowman was used last night, that may not be necessarily a fair place to heap criticism on Mike Matheny. I think that most people last night were clamoring for Jordan Hicks to be used in that spot in the 10th inning, and, and, and the criticism that I have seen is that the reason Hicks wasn't available was that he was used unnecessarily on Sunday night in that game against the Cubs. Uh, to me, I, I disagree with that, I think, fairly substantially for a number of reasons. Number one, uh, when Hicks came into that game on Sunday evening, that was still a save situation. Yes, it was only a three, or it was a three-run lead, 
Uh, but it was still a spot where I think that you have to make sure you escape with a win. Now, we all know that Matheny is a manager who generally prefers his relievers to slot into defined roles. And and for right now, Hicks is the guy who pitches in the eighth inning, right? And and, and so uh, it's easy to see, I think, some criticism of, of using him there blindly. But frankly, uh, the game on Sunday evening was a spot where I think the Cardinals needed to use Jordan Hicks because they needed to make sure that they got out of that series with the Cubs with at least one victory. And so with, you know, with only a three-run lead, I think it's more than defensible to use Hicks in that position. Obviously, yesterday would have been three days in a row because on Saturday evening, Hicks pitched as well, uh, surrendering a two-run home run to Jason Hayward that put the Cardinals out of reach in that game on Saturday night. But again, Hicks comes into that game in a spot where it's a one-run ball game, and the Cardinals are trying to do all they can to salvage victories against the Cubs. And so I I really have a hard time taking issue with using Jordan Hicks and either of the two spots where he made an appearance in the weekend series against the Cubs. And so if that's the case, then the question only becomes, did Matheny make the best choice with the options he had available last night? Now, you had already had Mike Myers throw two strong innings. You had already used Sam Tuivalala last night, and then you used Bud Norris in the ninth. Uh, the, the question, I guess, would be, and it's ultimately probably not a question that alters the, the outcome of the game, is... Are the Cardinals better served by using, for example, Bowman in the ninth and maintaining Bud Norris for a save situation? Because generally on the road, uh, you, you want to make sure that you have your closer available to pitch that bottom of a closeout inning if if you feel uh, like you have a chance to win a ball game. And so uh, I do think the choice to use Norris in the ninth was fairly curious last night. Now, uh, what I don't know is whether or not the Cardinals were in a spot where they had Norris hot for the ninth because they thought they were going to be able to tie the game in the eighth because there was a rally in the eighth. And so if the Cardinals felt as though they were going to be in a position where they may need Norris for, or, or excuse me, for the top of the ninth, rather, the Cardinals, uh, had, Cardinals had that rally going. I apologize. The Cardinals tied the game top nine uh, for Norris to pitch in the bottom of the ninth. And, and, and so if the Cardinals felt like they were in the position to be taking the lead there, and if Norris had warmed up and had gotten hot with that expectation in mind, they may have been a little bit boxed in, uh, because it would be the second day in a row pitching for Norris. My inclination is that the Cardinals would likely be conservative in making sure they didn't have Norris warm up, get hot, and then have to settle back down and then warm back up for a later appearance. Once he was hot yesterday evening, they probably needed to use him as quickly as possible because it was the second day in a row of him being used, and because uh, earlier in the season, Bud Norris did have some irritation in that throwing arm as a result of his usage. And and so, while, yeah, it's not optimal to be left in that spot last night where, where Matt Bowman has to take the has to take the 10th inning, I do think it's understandable at least as much as the rest of the bullpen is being used. For the Cardinals, to me, the bigger concern was that they didn't have a left-hander available at all to use in that spot because Brett Cecil uh, simply can't be trusted to, to lock down important outs in games right now. I mean, Cecil clearly, he, he's signed by the Cardinals to be used in specifically that spot, a spot with key lefties coming up where the Cardinals are going to have to go through uh, a number of them. And instead, Matt Bowman is the guy who's facing left-handers because the Cardinals don't have a left-handed option that they can trust to come out of the bullpen right now. And, and, and so, it tracks back to this issue with Brett Cecil that the Cardinals are eventually going to have to uh, going to have to square up to. I was was reading 
Rick Hummel's chat on STLToday.com yesterday and, and commissioned me the point that eventually the Cardinals are going to have to trust Cecil with some innings. Eventually, you have to throw him out there in a spot where there is some leverage and at least see if he has the ability to get closer back to the pitcher that the Cardinals thought that he was when they were signing him. And again, the, 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 the article that Hummel wrote yesterday morning, John Moselak acknowledged that Cecil hasn't been close to the pitcher they thought they were getting when they signed into that four-year big money deal. Uh, but at some point, the Cardinals are going to have to see what they can salvage out of Brett Cecil, or if they already believe that they have done that, if they already believe that they have sort of crossed that threshold and they're no longer comfortable running Cecil out there under any sort of enhanced uh, enhanced leverage kind of circumstances, then they probably need to do what they can on the trade market to look for another left-handed option because uh, Austin Gomber has been strong and Medini has talked about him being a part of that conversation for the seventh inning and, 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 and facing lefties in difficult spots, and you saw that, I think, over the weekend against the Cubs, where Gomber had opportunities against Rizzo and Schwarber. Clearly, he's the guy that the Cardinals have to use in those spots right now against big left-handed hitters, but uh, if the Cardinals are going to get nothing out of Brett Cecil, and if they've already made the determination that there's not much they can do to get Cecil back on track, then they need to look outside the organization for a left-handed reliever that they can trust in those positions, because lining it all up on Gomber and then some combination of Bowman and John Prebia uh, is is asking the Cardinals to be left open to not only criticism but also to the sorts of failures that we saw last night because I I don't think that. There was anyone watching that game last night as Bowman is pitching to left-handers in the meat of the Phillies' order that really had confidence that that result was going to end up in the Cardinals' favor. And it simply was because they didn't really have much in the way of better options. And that's a failure, perhaps, of the manager, but it's also a failure of the general manager, and it's also a failure of the players. It is a failure of Brett Cecil to not have pitched well enough that the Cardinals can trust him in any sort of leveraged position. And so... Did Matheny make the right choices in, in total last night? No, I don't think so, especially walking Santana uh, is, to me, a big strategic blunder. But in terms of usage of the bullpen, it's hard to find a lot to worry about uh, in a game where the team strikes out 19 times and they're scrambling to find the right guys to cover important innings. Speaking of important innings and bullpen usage, the Cardinals now find themselves in a position where Greg Holland is likely to be activated from the disabled list today. Uh, went on the trip with the team to Philadelphia. There was some expectation that he would be activated for yesterday's game. That didn't happen, I'm guessing, at least in part. Uh, because the Cardinals wanted to make sure that they had sufficient coverage for a game that, as we saw yesterday, went into extra innings, with likely John Brebbia having been down yesterday, with clearly Jordan Hicks being down yesterday. They were a little short from the right side, and so they probably were uncomfortable leaving themselves uh, without Mike Myers for yesterday's game, and so you can expect perhaps that to change for uh, this evening's game. I think we can start there because that, to me, uh, reveals a lot of the truth of where the Cardinals are at with Greg Holland. If, if they weren't comfortable activating Holland because they thought they would need Mike Myers and they preferred to have Myers available for those spots, then that doesn't exactly sing out a, a, a reassuring chorus of support for Holland's, uh, for Holland's abilities right now. Now, granted, Myers pitched two innings last night and has been in a position where 
He was been uh, he, he's been expected to throw multiple innings on a number of occasions for the Cardinals this season, and so perhaps you can make the argument that they serve different roles, and, and, and that Myers was the coverage guy for last night. But even still, uh, I don't know that the Cardinals have a great deal of optimism that. That, that that Greg Holland will truly be able uh, to contribute a ton here as he comes back from what the club charitably termed a hip impingement. There was uh there was there there there, there was a conversation with Mike Matheny in the dugout earlier this week where he was talking about Holland, uh, talking about him finding his mechanics in the minors and, and talking about him feeling physically better. And Matheny on social media took a fair amount of slack for expressing support of Greg Holland and saying that he thinks that, you know, maybe he found something down in the minors and he was doing work. And Matheny got hammered pretty good for the suggestion uh, that Holland would perform any better when you consider that his numbers in the minors were, were, were pretty bad. But frankly, I, I think that it's important to sort of step back here and look from a broader perspective at what Matheny is talking about when he speaks up in defense of his players. And look, maybe this is textbook Matheny apologizing. And, you know, as I sit here and I record this podcast, I think to myself that it sounds a lot like I'm interpreting for a guy and that's not really my job. And that's fair. Look, if you want to criticize the method by which he delivers his message, then it's probably a fair criticism because I find myself having to parse it in order to make it make sense. But that being said, I think that everyone in the Cardinals organization from the top down uh, knows where they're at in regards to Greg Holland and, and, and probably believes that it's not likely he is going to be able to contribute much to this team for the remainder of this season. But given that they've already made the financial investment and given that they've made this sort of personal investment, there is a degree of loyalty, both financially and professionally, uh, that the Cardinals are going to express towards Greg Holland, especially these Cardinals and especially this manager. And you know, to me, it does make, I think, a degree of prudent business sense to see if there's anything the Cardinals can recover from the investment that they, that they made in Greg Holland. Now, granted, that does leave them in a position where they're sort of letting uh, hope be the father of thought here and, and, and creating a spot where, without any data, the team is asking the fans to just blindly believe that Holland will be able to contribute, but... They need to, at some point, figure out what they have. And I, I do think this week is that point. If you sort of look at the stretch here, uh, the Cardinals are on a seven-game road trip without an off day. There's a three-game series immediately preceding and immediately following this road trip. So that's a stretch of 13 days in a row with Cardinals games. And those are going to be days where you're going to need innings. That Greg Holland is going to have the opportunity to pitch at some point this week. And he's either going to show that he can be a contributor to this team this season or he is going to show that he can't. I, I think it's fair to say that this week-long stretch here in Philadelphia and then Milwaukee is sort of the last barometer for the Cardinals of whether Holland is a guy who they can really lean on here, or, or really use it all, I should say, for the remainder of the season. I, I was talking to some fellow reporters down at the park uh, before the team left on Sunday evening. It was half kidding, half serious, asking if they thought that that we would see Greg Holland back at Bush Stadium with the team this season, that it, or if they thought that maybe going out on this road trip, the results were going to be what the results were going to be, and that the Cardinals would be willing to cut bait on Holland. And frankly, the opinion there was was fairly mixed, and it, it's because the Cardinals are now at a position with Holland where I think they're comfortable saying that he needs to show success, he needs to show 
contribution, and he really needs to show uh, that, that that he's able to perform anywhere close to his previous career standards, or they're willing to let him go. I, I think at this point, the Cardinals have seen enough out of Holland. They've seen him struggle in the majors, seen him struggle in the minors. He agreed to a disabled stint to, to rest a hip injury that he is saying to reporters, uh, you know, had something to do with his delivery. But a week ago today, John Mosellock said that Holland was not at a place where the Cardinals could consider him as an option or, or a guy who deserved a spot in the bullpen. Today, the expectation is that Holland is going to be activated. And frankly, a guy like Holland with, you know, a, a veteran player who doesn't have to accept an option to the minors, you can't really keep him down in the minors on a rehab assignment either if he says he's healthy, especially if the injury was perhaps not all too serious to begin with. If Holland says he's good to go, then the Cardinals to some extent have to accept that he's good to go. And so that being the case, I don't see much that they can do outside of giving him the ball and seeing if he can be a contributor. Does this likely end in a situation where Holland has another rough outing and the Cardinals really have to consider what the next step is? Yeah, I think it's fair to say that's the most likely outcome. Uh, but if you're the Cardinals, I guess you, you have your fingers crossed that there's something that comes out of this investment. And I don't envy them uh, that I don't, I don't I don't envy them that task, I guess, because the, the, the Holland signing clearly appears to have been a mistake. Uh, they're going to do what they can to get out from underneath it, but I think that there's probably still room for a little bit of ugliness ahead of us before we really see the end of that story. That's going to wrap up today's edition of Locked on St. Louis Cardinals. Make sure you stick around. Uh, make, again, as always, thank you for listening. Subscribe to the podcast. We're on iTunes. We're on Spotify. We're everywhere that you need us to be. We'll have plenty more analysis from the park, from home, from wherever there's Cardinals baseball going on. We'll be sure to bring it to you. So uh, make sure you stick around for that throughout the week. Team is back in town Monday. I'll be back in the Paul Park then covering, uh, we'll see, I guess, the result of a road trip, either the positive result of a road trip or covering uh, the end of a situation where the Cardinals are looking to make some more major changes. So make sure you wait around for that here on Locked On St. Louis Cardinals.